Hey, welcome everybody to our first episode of Cuban A. How are you going to take my intro like that, Vin? <laughs> hey, 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 what's up everybody? Bez is here. What's up everybody? This is Brian. And this is Vin. We got the whole gang here today. Finally, finally, we got Brian back. Yeah. He's here. <laughs> we Good rescued him. <laughs> um, so we got a ton of DMs after we dropped that post on Instagram, right guys? Um, yep. And we wanted to roll through a couple of the questions that came through. Uh, so let's just jump right into yeah. it. And apologies in advance if we don't get to all your questions. Uh, it just, there was so many, we just took them in the order that they came in and, uh, we'll, we'll touch on the rest in, in, in future episodes for sure. Yeah. Definitely. There was a ton of them too. So, uh, definitely good content for the future. Uh, but we wanted to keep this short. Let's keep, uh, let's, let's get on with the questions. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first question that we got is easy one. Let's start at light. Um, who are we? Yeah. Who what the heck? You? That's a simple one. Thanks for that one. That's a, that's a toss up. Wait, who am I? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know how deep they were looking to go with this question. Yeah, it's like, like, like what is my motivation in life? What's my yeah, life? Like, where What's my you? Uber rating? Yeah. Uh, we were right. talking about that yeah, earlier. Yeah, Brian's got a shit Uber rating. <laughs> oh, man. Someone doesn't like me out there. 4.88. No wonder they stop picking strong. me up. There you go. I'm touching 4.9, so that's good. But, oh, um,. Uh, who we are? Uh, I'm Bez, and we got Vinny and Brian here, and uh, we're Cube. Uh, if this is your first episode listening, it's actually a good one because uh, it's almost like a introduction again. And uh, we're all finance backgrounds. I'll speak to myself a little bit. I'm a Rutgers graduate, uh, graduated in 2015, and um, like long walks on the beach. Summer is my favorite season. I don't think <laughs> you're going to find a soulmate that listens to Cube. <laughs> no. <laughs> worth a shot. Worth a shot. Um, but yeah, uh, no, deep background in finance. Um, have my series exams. I've been investing since I was 17 years old. Uh, always, always had an interest in, in investing in finance. Uh, um, I'm, the, I'm the CEO and founder of Cube. And uh, yeah, that's, that's me. That's Bez. All right, so uh, Vin over here. So my background is a little bit different. Uh, I did my. I actually met Bez, Bez in college uh, at Rutgers, but I I did my major in electrical and computer engineering. So that's my background. I did a minor in computer science, um, but we both ended up working on Wall Street. Uh, so at, for a good point, a good chunk of time. Yeah. So. That's how I met Bez. So that's kind of my background. Uh, I don't come from a traditional finance background, but I learned a lot of this stuff as I went. I've been investing uh, for quite a few years uh, on the side, uh, just managing my own portfolio. Uh, and then, you know, we launched Cube based yeah. off of that passion, right? Yeah. Definitely. Hey, guys, this is Brian here. Um, I graduated from Syracuse University back in way back in 2012. Um, <laughs> I too. Because you're so long ago. <laughs> yeah, like my back is like starting to hurt now. It's not the same as before, but um, so uh, so like I said, Syracuse University. I was an IT major, so not your traditional background uh, background in finance, but um, and then I worked in Wall Street for for a number of years now as well. That's where I met my. Uh, that's where we met Bez, um, and then very shortly after, I met um, my buddy Vinny here. Um, and that's where we are today. And now we have Cube together. Um, as far as uh, my investing experience, um, you know, I've always had an interest in it. And I've been investing for about a few years now, at least about four or five years now. Um, I have a 401k. 
um, that I'm managing as well. So that's so far my experience uh, so far. Yeah, it's actually a really funny story how, how we've all met and how this whole thing works because the, the company, and we're keeping it um, disclosed on purpose just to avoid any, any issues, but um, the company we work for had so many offices so close to each other where we would literally like meet at, at one of the lobbies there and just talk about things or go to get lunch in, you know, in a nearby office. And yeah. it, was, it was just funny how it all worked out. And, and that's how our paths crossed because we were all doing different roles, you yeah. know, where I'm, I'm a traditional finance background. Vinny's more the tech, Brian's more the project management. And the way it comes together is just, it's just so funny how it all came together. And, and we all have, we all started investing though beforehand, before, you know, we all, we started Cube and it's just crazy how all different paths, but led to the same destination. Yeah, that, that's what's crazy. It's crazy, and you'll see that like throughout life you know, too, right? This isn't the only like <laughs> like Vinny and I specifically. So Vinny is from a town in Jersey and I uh, called Allentown, and I'm from Jackson. And when we met at Rutgers, we didn't know each other beforehand, and Vin was friends with literally everybody from Jackson but me. So I, I, it, it was the craziest yeah, thing. It was wild. And it was like you knew all my friends before I even met you, and it was like yeah, you know so and so. I was like. Yeah, I went to high school with them. We grew up 10 minutes away from each other. Yeah. Like our entire lives. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> and you Unreal. both went to the same college after. And we, yeah. yeah. And we didn't meet until like freshman uh, year, second semester, yeah. I think. Yep. And it was just for like two seconds. Yeah. It was like uh, by the grease trucks. <laughs> and <laughs> and it, you remember this story, but I don't. I you this. remind me of this, yeah. but I don't remember it. Yeah. I remember you were complaining about like how your GPA changed after one exam. Um, we were Damn. with well, a bunch of guys. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing you guys talked about, your GPA I think changed. I remember <laughs> I remember him talking about <laughs> Hi, my name is Bez. Oh, man, my GPA just changed. As much. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about I right. I mean, freshman year, your priorities are in weird places. This is true. The yeah. only thing I remember that night was um, I went to some fraternity house and uh, I had three of the most gorgeous girls you'll ever see in your life. They were so hot, they should have each counted as two. Okay? Yeah. Okay? <laughs> it was luck. Okay? Yeah. But. Peaked in college. Yeah. <laughs> peaked in college. And uh, I got to the door and they told me the ratio was six to one that night. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and that was like my first night going out of college Ave. It was like the worst. Like it left such a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. And they literally just took my girls like, yo, just be it a kid. I was yeah. like, yo, all right, you're all going to see. You're going to see. Never, never joined the frat. Full, come full circle. Wound up becoming friends with everybody at that frat. Live with frat guys who had all their pledges clean my apartment. So I, Bez got the last laugh there. That's so true. screw you. I got all the parties. I got into every single one of them, and I didn't have to pledge. So it all worked out in the end. <laughs> what a tangent. Um, yeah, what a tangent. Um, all right, so let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to question number two. That's, that's a little who we are. All right, so the next question, um, what is the difference between enterprise value and market cap? That's a great question, and I think that's a very common question. That is a question I also asked myself uh, years back. So basically, market cap versus uh, enterprise value. Market cap pretty much tells you your current uh, current price share um, of a stock multiplied by uh, your, your uh, total shares outstanding. So let's just say you know like a stock price is trading at ten dollars right now and has a uh, shares outstanding of totaling uh, one million shares outstanding, right? So that's that's um, a $10 million uh, market cap right there. So that gives you a market value from an equity standpoint of a company, whereas an EV or an enterprise value gives you a little bit, a little more specific, a little more, um, you know, a bigger picture, a more specific picture of what the company is, is worth. 
So in, in the equation of enterprise value, it's pretty much your market, uh, market cap plus your market value of preferred equity plus your market value of debt plus your minority interest, which is, uh, you know, if someone or a company were to own a company or a part, part of a company that's less than 50% worth. Um, and then subtracting by uh, subtracting cash and cash equivalents. So obviously you see here uh, in an EV, it gives you a lot more variables. So it gives you a lot more uh, specific picture of what the company is worth. So yeah. like, let's say if company A wanted to buy out company B, they will really look at the uh, EV value um, to get the um, more accurate value of a company. Yeah, yeah, and you'll see a lot of ratios that do that. They use EV, and uh, yeah. you can pretty much use uh, anyone you want. But when you do pull up Yahoo Finance, you will see that market cap is what's written. You won't, you won't. They don't list EV. Yeah, um, I, all of these ratios are hidden under the scene, and they tell a much larger picture of yeah. what's going on and yeah. the fundamentals of the company. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it, it's interesting to compare it at least until uh, to market cap. Yeah. I think that good kinda, question though. Yeah. No, it's, question, it's a good yeah. question because you know when you're starting investing, you're like, what's the difference? So no, yeah. that's that's a good that's a really good question and even better answer, Brad. Nice job. Um, the next question we have is, what are your favorite sectors to follow? Go ahead, Vin. What are your, what's your favorite sector? So I really, so I find I think this is common for everyone. It's fun to follow stocks that you know very well, yeah, uh, and that you interact with on a daily or, basis and have a background in. Yeah, and have a background in. So for me personally, it's technology. Like everyone's using so. Wow, who would have thought? Wow, computer science, computer science engineer more. likes tech. <laughs> <laughs> wow, breaking news. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it's that plus like, you know, social media, everyone's interacting with it. Uh, so all those stocks tend to get a lot of attention in our age group. They're really good in terms of like popularity. There's, and a lot of, you can always find a lot of interesting nuances with different companies. Uh, and the, the sector range is pretty wide from like hardware, software, um, you know, advertising, and they all have different types of revenue. Um, so I think the landscape is really interesting. It's something I understand very well. I like to keep tabs on. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, uh, I also um, follow technology um, mostly. Um, some I definitely follow finance. I used to have a, I used to work uh, work on Wall Street, so naturally, um, I, that is something I am very interested in. I'll tell you what I'm not really interested in is healthcare. Um, I don't yeah, know. Tell healthcare me about is a it. tough place in Yeah, I mean, to Vince's point earlier, you follow things that you like, you're interested in. I am not interested in healthcare much. I don't understand all these various stages of approvals, going through, you know, FDA and all these other places where you need to get approved to approve one drug. I, the I, damn medicines, like you have to stop oh and like gosh. try. I, if I were to tell somebody about a company, I'd have to like. I feel like you take need, two minutes to tell you what the medicine yeah. is. You know, you need like a, like a degree in biology and chemistry to like really understand what these companies. Are doing, I agree, and right? I, I don't really want to take the time to learn that either. So I'm gonna just yeah. stick with my other uh, sectors. I am. No, but it also gets a bad rap, though, man. Like yeah. so many guys invest in these like small, you know, biotech companies in hopes Penny that stocks. yeah, that in the hopes that they're gonna go huge. Like I remember one of my friends was like, "Oh, my friend's friend's aunt works at this company. She said it's gonna go huge," and then that's how the rumor starts. I'm like, yeah. "Dude, get out of here with that garbage," <laughs> you know. <laughs> But the thing is, it's also really political too, right? The amount of lobbying that these companies do, the yeah. amount of like like res government restrictions that are around like yeah. FDA approvals. Like you have to learn a lot just to get started. Yeah, a lot of politics do. involved in here yeah. as well. Yeah, no, no so doubt. you definitely need the background knowledge. And, and a, no doubt, and, and the a shift they, in policies can can alter everything. And yeah. you have to now understand 
the political landscape too yeah. and how that will affect your holdings. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's crazy. It's no surprise that like, you know, hedge funds that are interested in pharmaceuticals, they will hire people with PharmDs and all yeah. that sort of background. And then just, just teach them how to evaluate companies. Exactly. Of course, because it doesn't work the other way around. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for me, a little different. I actually like uh, consumer discretionary. I actually like yeah. eyeing up Nikes, yeah. Under Armors, things like this. Stuff just, you like to wear? Stuff you like to wear, like stuff like you see everyday brands. Uh, like the Lululemons and stuff like that. So I, I, I do. Yeah, that's I, a nice pair of Lululemon yeah. leggings yeah, you got oh, on thanks, right now. Thanks, man. Thanks. They show off my, my calves. It's <laughs> not just but, the calves, man. <laughs> you're such a loser, bro. No comment. You're such a loser, man. <laughs> Yo, um, but yeah, no, I do like that. I, I, it just, sure, they're easy to understand, but it's like when you pick up a new pair of Nikes or you pick up a new pair of Jordans and you're like, you think deeper than that you're like oh wow you, know, you look at their marketing approach you look at where they're growing internationally it's I, it's pretty cool I, I like that like uh, second would be financials just because same thing with you like you, you like tech yeah so you follow tech finances are cool and you just um you see how a lot of the fines play a big role also it's it, they suck that the fines come through but it's 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 interesting to me um so yeah those those are our favorite sectors to follow so that that's good um that's another one. What do we got here? Oh, another one. Another question. What was your worst trade? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Dude. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Dude, that brings uh, some dark memories. Yeah. Um, I mean, all right. So mine didn't end very badly, but the one that I regret the most, uh, there is like a local, uh, you know, community bank around here that IPO'd. Investors Bank Corp. I think ISBC is the, uh, is the ticker for it. Knew nothing about it. Just like one day someone was like, yeah, you, sh- you should always buy like an IPO. It always goes up. And I was like, you know, yeah, young. Rookie high, mistake. Like, yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I bought a lot of it. <laughs> like way more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, you know, I'm still up like what, 40%. But like over the time horizon, I could wait, made way more money. In, How long like, are we talking? Uh, geez, must be like. Seven, eight years, something like that. Are you serious? Yeah. Seven, eight years? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Damn. Well, that's a really great worst trade. <laughs> this yeah. guy up 40% you, worst trade ever. Damn, you set the bar real high there. Oh, oh, the I'm, I'm, I'm going to really blow the water out of this <laughs> one. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. For me, my worst trade was um, so a couple years, maybe three, four years ago. There was this company called Exi, E-X-X-I. It was Energy 21. Company was struggling, struggling, struggling to make it. Um, they traded uh, sweet crude oil, um, which actually fetched a little higher price than your average WTI. And at this time, like oil fell, fell from like hundred dollars a barrel to like forty, and it was staying there for a little while. And I'm saying, I think it was 2015. At 20, it was 2015 at the time, and there were 27 leap, 20, 2017 leap options, which means I was buying. These were out of the money, so I was buying uh, an option, uh, with, which is the you know, the ability, the the right to buy this company at a higher price, but in the future, um, so I was pretty much banking on a huge rebound in oil over the next couple of years. Mm. That's what I was banking on, as, as opposed to not just owning the outright stock. I was betting on uh, oil making a rebound, this company skyrocketing much higher, making my options worth something, so I can exercise them, sell them immediately. And uh, the company didn't make it, and I actually lost the entire investment on it. I was wise enough, I'll say, to um, not put too much into it. You know, it was definitely a piece of my portfolio that I could have 
suffered the loss on. I mean, I didn't want to lose the whole thing, but if I did and that was the case, I could handle it. But that was my worst trade. It was the return was there for the risk, but that's why that's why the return was there yeah. to compensate <laughs> right. for that risk. So. This is around the same time as when like when oil uh, hit like twenty six dollars a barrel. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it did, did, and uh, I thought maybe after it bounced off twenty six, twenty seven it would maybe come back up to like 50, 60s because that would have put this company specifically into the green with their break-even. Yeah. And they ne- it never, it just didn't get there quick enough. They ran out of cash, could not do another offering. They they couldn't meet their debt requirements and the rest is history. They filed mm. chapter 11, whatever the hell it was at the time, mm. whatever certain bankruptcy. I, I, it's beyond my memory, but, and that the rest is history, man. Sucks, but live and you learn. That's yep. right. Uh, well, for me, was uh, about couple, four years back, maybe um, a few years back. Uh, I was, you know, just getting started. Um, really, just trying to get, you know, build up a portfolio. Started getting my put my money uh, in stocks and uh, in equities in general. So I, my worst trade was uh, GoPro. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was when I first started following that stock was uh, you know it was trading around like you know above sixty dollars and I see you know obviously it took a huge hit and it was already down from a hundred it was already down from a hundred exactly yeah. so like I'm seeing this dip and I'm seeing uh, BTFD BTFD as we all know uh, so I'm thinking yo this is a great buying opportunity you know what price did you get in it I got in at around twenty two dollars. Um, and then uh, I lost. God about, damn, that sounds so far from where it is <laughs> yeah, right I know, now. It's Holy so, it was crap. like five fifty now, oh something, something like that. Right Every there. earnings call just peels back more layers of the onion, oh man. You just want to keep crying. It's like hovering right above like a penny stock right now. That's unbelievable. I know. And then uh, I sold my position at around twelve dollars and eighty five cents. I was like, you know what? Let me just clo- let me bite the take oh the loss man. here. Let me take the L here. Take this as a learning lesson. Luckily, you know, I it was a while back for me. I didn't ha- I didn't invest too much into it as I didn't have as much capital at the time. But this was a huge learning curve for me. And, uh, you know, I'm taking these mistakes and, you know, carrying on with me. Yeah, yeah I, man. I don't think you ever saw, like, green on no, that trade. Not no, once. I, there wasn't a day, yeah, I think, I, when I, I was looking at GoPro. I pulled up the chart, and I was looking at when you got in, and there is not a single day of yeah. green. Where you were in the pause, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> sucks. <laughs> that graph, like, there is steeper than the mountain in the Winter Olympics, so. <laughs> <laughs> God dang, man. So. That's, that's awful, but... You know, and th- and I guess the one thing I would imagine you learned is that uh, set stop losses. <laughs> That's for damn sure. You know, only it's just we we did a guide on it. It, it they're so clutch. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. Like just set that number in your mind because you, I know you can always be like, well, it's, it might tap it and come right back up, but. But then stop losses are also dangerous when you have like large dips in the S and P, like we saw earlier. And you get wiped month. out. Yep. Yeah, and you get wiped out. Then it wipes out the next round. The yeah. stop orders. Yeah, then it wipes out the next round. And then you got it's this. nuts. It's like once the once the big money has stopped, like you hit big money stops, everyone's screwed. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but I got, I got caught up. Back, I got right? caught up in GoPro too. Oh really? But yeah, I, we spoke about this in one of the episodes. But I was in at twenty and sold at sixteen. I took my haircut. Yeah. I also averaged down too in the middle of it. <laughs> but I got out and yeah. uh it's it's eleven dollars lower today. It's just yeah. crazy. I made my money back elsewhere. Yeah. But you know, it's I got I got caught up in it too. Yeah. You, you know, I, I hope the company com- comes around, pulls it together. Yeah. But I think the only way that's gonna happen is if um they change management, re you know, pivot and uh and get back on things. But that's a completely different discussion. I would actually we can actually have a pretty cool um podcast on gopro itself yeah no, the history of the awesome. company yeah. how they started 
what I they know did you right. two are very their, knowledgeable on the history. Vision, yeah. You know, about yeah. Nick Woodman himself. Like Things he did were very questionable. Very questionable moves as a CEO and as a person. Yes, I agree. So um, that's great. That's great. Um, that was definitely a good segment right there. Um, what brokerage accounts do you guys use is the next question. All right. Go ahead. I will I will go with it. Um, so I use TD Ameritrade, Robinhood, and I also keep my savings. I think this is an important tip for everyone. Uh, don't keep your savings in like a normal checking account. Use like an online or branchless bank. They give they actually give you like a 1.4%, like a real interest wow. rate. Yeah, I don't wow. know if a lot of people That's know great. that. Um, so I do use Discover Bank as well for that. Cool. Uh, so that, those, are, those are what I use. TD Ameritrade, I just use that at convenience. Robinhood, who can who can pass up a few free trades? I know, right? Um, yeah, so cool. How about you, bro? Uh, for me, mostly it's E Trade, and then you know my four hundred one k, but it's not really a brokerage account, so it's mostly E Trade for me. Um, you know, I'm not really much of a day trader or anything like that. I'm more of a you know uh, buy and hold, long term investing uh, type of person. So I don't need to do. I don't. I'm not. I don't need uh, Robinhood personally because uh, with you know, with the free trade. So um, that's where I you know, mostly use E Trade. Great. Yeah. For me, I was Scott Trade, but now they've completely merged. So now my Scott Trade is now a TD account. And then I have a Robinhood account, which I got suckered into. <laughs> <laughs> These two guys <laughs> told me about it uh, for a long time now. And I finally, finally. Dude, you can buy it. like one share without even thinking. Like, I know. Just wanna, it's like, pretty cool. I'm not going to yeah. lie. It's pretty cool. It really is. <laughs> I can buy a penny. I can buy a 17 cent stock. Just one. Yeah, I know, right? Well, why not? That is pretty cool. No, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, hope it's sustainable. Hope they can find a way to monetize it so that we, they can stick around. Uh, yeah. It's given a lot of people access to markets, you know. That yeah. they originally didn't have. I wonder if, they, if they're ever going to... Well, they probably can't because of privacy reasons. I wonder what, like, Robin Hood, like, uh, portfolios look like as a whole in terms of how much they usually... Oh, it must pay. be all over the place. Yeah, it's probably all over the place. I know the number one holding in millennial portfolios in, in Robin Hood accounts is AMD. That's the largest holding in millennial portfolios. Why? I have no idea. AMD was a loser for a very long time. Yeah. I they mean, were a market laggard for a very long time. Yeah. And I would wonder why, and, and this goes back to one, something we mentioned, Vin, in, uh, I don't forget how many episodes ago. Why not NVIDIA versus AMD? And it comes back to the share price. Yeah. I'm telling you, it has to. I have no market data to, yeah. to support my claim. People just think it's the same thing. But, but it's like, at the time, like five, six bucks a share, let's grab it. Yeah. Whereas NVIDIA is like a couple hundred dollars a share. Yeah, it's 200 or something. Yeah, you know, and maybe at that time it was a little lower, but still. Yeah. Both very competitive companies. Why? Why Why is AMD the largest holding? Everyone wants to make money like buying a ton of shares, right? It doesn't matter like how many shares you I, I, We talk about this like, it's, I feel like we talk uh, about this every other episode. It's yeah. Like, it doesn't, it's all the percentage gain, right? It doesn't matter how much the share price is. Exactly, exactly. But people are uh, generally, like that's why... That, I'm not a lot the only reason, but like stock splits too, right? It makes it look more attractive. I know. I know. Yep. You're 100% right there. Okay, let's move on. Um, what's a good guide for your portfolio structure? Okay, so I'm going to assume that this question is talking about like at a certain age. Like allocation of yeah, funds? Yeah, I think it's allocation of funds. So like a good rule of thumb. So now the, the funny thing about finance Whenever you're in trouble, just say it depends. <laughs> no, seriously, that is always like cover the, your ass. always cover your ass. Say it depends, and um, it depends. But I'll go a step further to give you guys some some value here. General rule of thumb you could use that I found helpful 
uh, when talking to people as a starting point. Whatever your age is, that is what you should apply to non-equity, uh, non-equity in your portfolio. So let's say you're 20 years old. Put 80% in stocks and equities, whether it's international, domestic, whatever you have you, and then put the um, other 20% real estate, cash, fixed income, you know, bonds, yeah. stuff of that nature. Then you're 50, you start tapering it on the on the equity side. Yeah. Now you're sitting 50 equity, you know, stocks and stuff like that, and 50% brought up between yeah. cash, real estate, fixed income. And again, it depends real, uh, like it varies a lot just because... I'm thinking about it. I was like, I don't know if I want to be holding 50% equity when I'm 50. Yeah, and that's I, what I'm saying. Yeah, the the pence like, part comes in there. For, yeah. So for some people, that's like that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's like a lot of money in equity. That's equities. a lot of risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot that's, of risk that's still on the table. Yeah. And it's, especially if you want to retire earlier, then everything changes. Yeah. This is assuming like your average 65, 70-year-old. And you then know, you have people that buy a house at the age of like 23. Yeah. Right? Everyone's uh, everyone's playing different yeah. hands here. Everyone's, everyone's doing something different. And that's why this is a tough question, but... I think that covers it to an extent of where you can start, you know, the meter yeah. and then work your way left or right, yeah. however you see fit. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on you. I don't know. It depends on your lifestyle, what are your mo- your biggest expenses are, how much debt you currently have. Um, crazy, crazy you know, how much what variables. Your, what your risk appetite is, what is your yeah. short-term, uh, you know, long-term goals. What kind of lifestyle yeah. do you want to live, yeah, man? You know, exactly. do, do you want to sell your home, move into an apartment when yeah. you retire, or do you yeah. want to keep that house? Is that house paid when off for? When do you want to retire? Dude, it's just the questions are nonstop. So yeah. this is a tough question. I appreciate the question. I think that's a pretty good starting point, though, yeah. of where you can you and, know, start your basis. And a, a guide to how you would do it yourself is, is looking at a, a target date ETF. You could. Right? Yep. I, I would just argue they're a little expensive. Okay. Yeah. I just feel they're a little expensive no, for what they do. No, they're definitely expensive for what they do. Like it, like an S&P fund is like usually, what, 0.04%, and then a target's like around 0.1%. That's what I, At least that's what I've seen in, in the ones that I've looked at. But at least you can look at them to see how they do their allocation and yeah. see if that lines up with something that you want to do definitely. too. Right? Exactly. We covered the the target date fund. It was investment guide number one. Yes. Like very briefly. Yes. Yeah, very briefly. So it's like you can like find like a target yeah. date 2065. 2055. Yeah, 2055. And that's like the yeah. date you're looking to retire on. Like that's yeah. the year. So, and then it'll rebalance and calculate itself accordingly. So definitely helps take a lot of the stress and mindset and all the thinking behind it. But just uh, we always say, watch the fees. Um, well, if we have to mention that every single episode for you to fully understand and grasp that, <laughs> yeah. watch the fees. Um, <laughs> Probably one of the most important things. Yeah, I would say so because they, they add up, um, especially if you're in this for the long haul. And now we have uh, another question here. Um, S&P 500 thoughts. Okay, so tough one as always. Uh, but we did we did do some research uh, in the beginning of the year. Um, we'll talk about the end of December into January and we, we released – our 2018 outlook, and um, we we predicted this year would be like mid single digit growth in um, the SP 500, uh, pretty much with higher risk and lower returns. Um, that's what we see for this year, um, given the landscape. Uh, things have quieted down on the North Korea side, which is great to see, but we have seen um, now with this whole trade stuff going on, yep, the tariffs, the tariffs, and everything. So, like we said. You know, geopolitical uncertainty is still there. We still have to see how this um, the, the stimulus from the tax cuts occurs, how that goes. Do we see four rate hikes, you know, and, and the unwinding of the Fed's balance sheet? There are Ooh, so many, so yeah. many things at play here. And I think that um, 
we don't we don't see a miraculous jump like we did in twenty in twenty seventeen. We don't see that. We we definitely see a a, a more um, tapered approach there with the mid single digits uh, in the S and P. Uh, right now, we're seeing a negative two percent for the year uh, after a strong start of like jumping up to five percent gains. Yeah. So uh, the volatility is back, which is what we predicted. We actually said that when the VIX was at like all time lows. Not trying to like you know toot our own horn here, but we did expect volatility to come back into the picture. It has. We did although, expect China GDP. Go ahead, yeah, Brian. Yeah. I, I just wanted to add, although um, it the, the volatility did occur a little sooner than I anticipated. It's pretty I'll say that too. Yeah. And I didn't expect it to be as sharp. I thought it would be a more gradual increase in volatility, but mm-hmm. it did come into the scene uh, pretty pretty damn quickly. Uh, we did expect China GDP to make a bounce back to finish the year strong. Mm-hmm. It did. Um, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. Mm-hmm. Always keeping an eye on India, things of this nature. I know this is beyond the S&P 500, like the question asked, but... Um, it the the whole landscape matters because what China is doing will affect the S P five hundred. What India yep. is doing will still affect the S P five hundred. We live in a global, global. intertwined world yeah. where mm-hmm. everything that happens in any country, any part of the world, it's like a domino makes a difference. effect. If one thing happens here, something's going to happen. Exactly, here. exactly. So yeah. while we're still bullish on the markets, you know, we do see these tax cuts helping. We do feel a lot of it has been priced into the S P five hundred, and uh, yeah. we see we see mid single digit growth. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's reasonable, and I, I don't see a, a valid reason why we would see anything more than that, in, at least for the time being. Everything's there. Yeah, you're going to have your market critics. You're going to have your market supporters who are going to call for another 20% gain. You can have guys who are calling for a 50% drop. You know, they, then they mention these things called Schiller ratios, how you know, we haven't been this high since the market crash, and, and we'll... You know, since of like oh eight and the Great Depression and uh, you know Black Monday and stuff of this nature, and this is the you know only the fourth time in history we've had this PE, this ten year PE ratio, reach this high. But I would say the one thing that we we do look at that alarms us uh, is is the debt that this both at a United States level. standpoint level mm-hmm. and a consumer level little high uh to say the least so we we are we are watching that closely with interest rates rising let's see what happens in housing um do we we talked about auto loans and the subprimes on you know the whole the whole thing there uh obviously much smaller market shouldn't start anything like dramatic but there are a lot of things at play here just I love these questions, but it's so hard to address them on a podcast and try to wrap it up on the fly too. So, um, we will cover questions like these in guides. Like this question just came in like maybe five days ago. Yeah. If I, if we were to come out and give you a full blown answer to this question in four days, three days, that just tells you that we didn't put as much homework as we should have into it. Yes, we've done homework on the S P five hundred. What we think, but uh, for like these, like I love these questions, but we we are backing that up and building guides and building research reports. You know, with weeks and months of research going into it, as opposed to a three day question. You know, that was asked three three days ago and giving an answer. So that's just a little background. Uh, but the straightforward answer, mid-single digits is what we expect by end of 2018. All right, great. But, so that's that's all. I, I, I know we're pushing time here. I want to break these up uh, into more Q&A uh, episodes, but 
I, I hope that helped. I think that was, that was cool, actually. We had a lot of different questions. We had who we are to what we think the markets are going to do to, you know, what our worst trades are. That was, that was actually kind of fun. Yeah, these all are across the great board. questions. So, you know, keep it coming in. Keep continue sending us emails. Keep sending us DMs on these questions. Just, honestly, these are the questions that we're asking ourselves. So don't feel shy. Don't think any question is dumb. Feel free to ask. And uh, obviously, we'll do our very, very best to answer them to the best of our knowledge yeah. and ability. There's never a time where you're going to DM us a question and we're going to slap back in your face like, what a dumb question to ask. That's yeah. not happening. You know, yes, we have Wall Street backgrounds. But uh, we are far from your traditional run-of-the-mill Wall Street, you know, ex-employees. Uh, you could, and that shows if we really were cut from that fabric, we'd <laughs> still freaking be there. That's true. <laughs> okay, let's just be real yeah. here. So don't be shy. Ask away. No question is a stupid question because chances are the question you have is one that a lot of other people also have. I agree. Absolutely. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Cuban A. Uh, we learned, we discussed, now it's your turn to invest. Take care, guys. <laughs>